You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Testing. Hello, my name is Daniel Sanangelo. Hey, Daniel. You ready to do the podcast? I brought some sandwiches. Do do you see me wearing my headset right now? Yeah. Do you hear me speaking into a mic? Looks like it, yeah. Well, whenever you hear that, or whenever you see me doing this, that means not to get the fuck in my face, okay? You need to stay out of my way when I'm recording or testing out recording, okay? You understand me? Okay, uh-huh. alright. The first thing you need to do is get the fuck out of here. But okay. we do the podcast together. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Welcome to another great episode of 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. And I'm the other, Danielson Angelo. And with us as always is our producer, Jesse. Yep. And if you didn't already get it from that quip or listen to the end of last week's episode, then you would know that we are doing The Shining. Oh yeah. The 1980 Kubrick classic starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. <sighs> Yeah, it's Halloween season. I'm happy. I like watching these movies. I watch them every year. But now I get to talk about them with somebody other than my wife. It's <laughs> awesome. I've never seen The Shining until, so until two days ago. Interesting. Well, let's get right into it so we can hear your views on said movie. Opened May 23rd, 1980. Two days after The Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Two? Mm-hmm. Did the Empire come out on like a Wednesday? Did they do that? Both? Did they have that back in the day? I'm not sure the day of the week it was, mm-hmm. but since there was a two-day difference, I would assume it could have been a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty standard now, but back then, I know I've seen some movies back then opened on like a uh, Monday even, mm-hmm. like odd day, so I'm yeah. not 100% sure. IMDb gives it an 8.5, Rotten Tomatoes an 88%, so the stars aligned. Pretty close. Both sites tend to view it in the same light. Budget of $18 million, opening weekend. $622,337. Only opened on 10 screens. That's a badass average per screen. 62000 per screen? That's pretty damn good. I mean, that was total on the 10 screen. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you did there. The math thing. <laughs> you know not to throw math in my face. I got you. <laughs> yeah, but overall, it did make $44 million, so it did make its money back. Yeah. Uh, doubled it. Uh, barely. But uh, directed by the late, great Stanley Kubrick, who you might remember who did such classic films as 2001, Clockwork Orange, and Paz Glory, Lolita, Eyes Wide Shut, numerous catalog. Actually, I shouldn't say numerous because it's a relatively small body of work before he passed away, but he was extremely... He's kind of what you hear how James Cameron is, like a perfectionist, and mm-hmm. Kubrick was like that before Cameron was, but like, I mean, he spent... He did... He's Kubrick was more so notorious for doing hundreds of takes and 50 takes of just one scene, which we'll get into in the trivia, actually. Because this movie has the scene, Guinness World Record, of the scene that was shot the most times. Because <laughs> nice. Kubrick wasn't happy. Uh, written, the novel, of course, was written by Stephen King, and the screenplay was written by Kubrick and Diane Johnson. Uh, of course, the role of Jack Torrance. Iconic. I, exactly, Jack Nicholson. I remember from such films as Batman or One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and also Chinatown, or As Good As It Gets and... Few the Departed and Few Good Men. Yeah, I think that was that. And I think when you think of Jack Nicholson, I think you either think of one of three roles. You can't handle the truth, Few Good Men, Batman, or The Shining. Yeah. And I think it depends on when you were born, the first one that comes in your head. If you were born in the 70s, 
little older when The Shining came out because it came out in 80. You probably think of most likely The Shining as like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I remember that movie came out. It was awesome. But one in the 80s, you most likely probably, first thing that comes to mind is The Joker. And then for kids, uh, not kids, <laughs> not kids, but people born a little later in the 80s, you know, where they were more of a younger in the 90s and say, I was or you were, probably like that, you can't handle the truth. Because I remember them parroting that on definitely in living color, even. Yeah, you, know, early. you can't handle the tooth. Yeah. What was his name? Carl the Tooth Wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Foxx's better characters. It was a. He, they did have a fighter named a boxer named Carl the Truth Williams. Mm-hmm. So they went off of that. They got a wrestler called the Truth. I wonder if he's related, <laughs> or he just. Ron copied Killings. Him. That's his name. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. That that was the guy that Luger, when he couldn't take off his shirt. That's who, that's who he was about? talking about. Oh, really? Ron Killings, who is our truth. <laughs> I didn't know that. A little trivia for you. <laughs> that's awesome. These shirts are too tight. Or too small. These shirts are too tight, too, Billy. Yeah. The door's, <laughs> the locked, door's too. locked, too. Go YouTube I'm it for the full now. story. <laughs> and Jack, Jack Nicholson's lovely wife in this movie was uh, Shelley Duvall. A keeper. Yeah. She was also in Annie Hall and Time Bandits. Uh, I remember her as Olive Oil. That, that was a bit, yeah. yeah. Actually, the, the the main thing I remember her most from, other than this, was a Disney Channel movie. We talked, I think, last week about how I watched a Disney Channel, like when I was a kid, like 11, 12. They had a movie called uh, Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme. It was like a little musical, with, and she was Mother Goose. And she encountered, like, you know, different Mother Goose characters. And like, but, like, it had Paul Simon in it. A lot of, like, 80s and early 90s television personalities were characters in it. And I, for some reason, I remember her that in that <laughs> so much just like more so than even The Shining when I was a kid. I didn't see The Shining until I was a little bit older than eight or nine. And then, uh, let's see here. Uh, Scatman Carruthers, Dick Hall- played Dick Halloran. Uh, he was one of the voices in the Aristocats. And uh, also he was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was actually really good friends with Jack Nicholson and lobbied heavily to Jack like, hey man, you in the movie, you need to get me a role in The Shining. Oh, I want to be in The Shining. <laughs> and uh, well, that's what he says. So, But they were he was friends until he passed away. Uh, with Nicholson, but uh, honestly, the thing that most people from the '80s would know him from is the fact that he was Jazz on the Transformers cartoon, Autobot Jazz, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. who in the live-action movie Eddie, was Eddie, done by uh, Eddie Winslow, mm-hmm. Darius McCreary. Exactly, mm-hmm. passing of the torch, so to speak, <laughs> in a way, in a weird way. Never mind. Uh, Danny Torrance was played by Danny Lloyd, who only played in The Shining, so. And actually, of the three main characters, uh, Jack Torrance, Wendy Torrance, and Danny Torrance, Jack Torrance is played by Jack Nicholson, Danny Torrance is played by Danny Lloyd, Wendy Torrance is played by Shelley Duvall. <laughs> so she kind of broke the chain. They had going there where everybody was playing their real name, in mm-hmm. a sense. And then uh, the bartender was Joe Turkle. Uh, I remember him, the first time I saw this movie, because I saw Blade Runner many times before he was in Blade Runner. Uh, he's a much bigger role in Blade Runner. But the first time I saw him, he was like, holy crap, it's the dude from Blade Runner. So that's all I knew him from this and Blade Runner. But he was also in another Kubrick film called Paths of Glory with Kirk Douglas. An excellent black and white uh, oh, wow. war movie. Like, it's a really... When you compare The Shining in 1980, Paths of Glory was 1957. Yeah, so. Kubrick's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. I think his first film was in like 55, 54. So he's... He, he, I mean, like I said, like he only has like... He has very few movies. You probably count them on both hands. Maybe both hands and one foot. But... You know, like I said, he was in. He put all of his work into his movies. Yeah, he's got about. Okay, maybe. Basically, in terms of not document, like not shorts, Fear and Desire came out in '53. Yeah. Eyes Wide Shut was his last in '99. So that's a 
pretty good difference in you. Well, I think the, the biggest thing, I mean, look at it too. Before Eyes Wide Shut, his most recent movie was Full Metal Jacket in 87. Yeah. 12 so, years before Eyes Wide Shut. Exactly. I mean, he, he, when he, he didn't make a movie unless he wanted to. Yep. He wasn't like uh, Michael Bay or uh, what's that dude I hate, Brett Ratner. Like, oh, I just want to make a movie. Let's just make a stupid movie and put it out and make money. Bam, bang, boom. The one you were thinking of on the way here is a. Uh, Doctor Strange love. Oh yeah, that's the, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Like I knew there was another big one. There's and also Spartacus. Spartacus. Yeah. But he took that Spartacus was a train wreck of a movie that he sort of like took over. Yeah. Had like multiple directors, and he actually doesn't like his name being attached to that movie. Like he said, like it's I don't like I don't even consider that I was mm-hmm. part of it. And then uh, I see Joe Turkle, and then Delbert Grady was Philip Stone, otherwise known as uh, oh shoot, he was in Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. He was one of the guards. In Temple of Doom, oh, no. oh, yeah. mm-hmm. well, you haven't seen Temple of Doom at all. No, no, have no, you? no, no, the second one. Yeah, I haven't seen the yeah. second. Yeah, well, you'll see that mm-hmm. in a little bit. And he was also another. He was another Kubrick alumni. He was also in A Clockwork Orange. And that's pretty much it for the cast. But yeah, I mean, Jack. This movie's mainly known for most, uh, pretty much the their iconic scenes in this movie that yeah. have that are almost bigger than the movie itself. Of course, the axe in the door, and here's Johnny. I mean, that's like the iconic. It's on the cover of the DVD, for Christ's sake. And uh, also the elevator opening and the blood coming out. That was a huge... Uh, it's a very famous scene as well. And but uh, yeah. you just watched it for the first time two days ago. Did you watch that night? Were you alone? Was it dark? I watched it... Got yeah. some candles lit? I watched... I finished it around 11.30. Okay, so it was dark. Night, so. It was very dark. It was very dark, yeah. So, Daniel, what did you think of the 1980s classic, The Shining? What do you think I think of it? It was good. I liked it. How much? Oh, you. I'll, I'll guess your score before you give it. Okay. Oh, okay. Before you say anything, my guess of your score would be a seven. Seven point one. So you think I liked it? Yeah. That's correct. Hey, <laughs> I'll one give point. you the score later. <laughs> but I really liked the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are certain scenes in it that I had no clue about that got me. Let me guess. The woman in the, the ba- bathtub. Yeah. Well, at first I'm like. What the hell? Oh, she's getting out. And she's oh, yeah. oh, full frontal. <laughs> I've never seen her before. And for my first thought, she's tall. Like, yeah. when she got out, she looked like her legs were down. <laughs> anyway, then it switches like on that. Yeah. Uh, didn't expect that. Um, I didn't know any of the story. I had mm-hmm. no clue about it. That's anything. awesome. I knew the tricycle. That's that's about the only scene that you didn't say in terms of famous scenes. The tracking shots yeah. are f- ridiculous in this he was really sitting in a wheelchair, weird. holding the steady cam, with the camera on the bottom, <laughs> and yeah. a grip was pushing him. Wow. And just the long one, um, not the time that uh, Danny rides a tricycle and sees the two girls, but there's one before it where he's just riding, just riding around the hallway. And, like, it goes that, for... That is awesome. It goes on for a minute. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he goes, like, through the kitchen and then... Yeah. And then one the, of the sound, halls. whenever he hits the rug, and, mm-hmm. and then back to the floor, <laughs> just really, really cool shot. One of my favorite parts of the movie is probably that shot, and in terms, because uh, and the you know we, me and Jesse and all you know all of our crews kind of done a little bit of filming, just to think of how hard that had to be, mm-hmm. and what and what Kubrick, how they long did that did take? Yeah, yeah, that was probably a couple of days of shooting for that shot. I mean, I did read about to appease him. One of the ball scenes, yeah, just to throw in the ball, they wanted it to get perfect, and it took. They like, had a state uh, people crew. Like, yeah. would throw the ball just to try and get it into the perfect thing that Kubrick wanted. It took, they kept the camera running. That's that's hardcore. I, it'd be, he would be tough to work for. 
I mean, not like yeah. you know, I mean, I'm not a professional actor, but I would be. He's one of the people that I would never ever. Of course, because he's dead. But yeah. if I was an actor, like Tom Cruise said, like he wanted to work with Kubrick. Yeah. That's why he did, and he and Nicole did Eyes Wide Shut because he wanted to work with him. Yeah. It would be amazing to watch that dude, uh, and I, it would probably be yeah. frustrating it, as hell. It would but, be I mean, frustrating. He doesn't really it have would a be, bad movie. Yeah, it would be. Uh, what's a good way to put it? Kind of, it'd be scary in a way, in a good way, because. Mm-hmm. You know what? Am I doing this good enough? You know, one of those type deals. <laughs> Please don't yell at me. But he, I would like to work for M Night pre some of his movies. <laughs> but Cougar would have been good to work for too. Um, first, first thing I write down is always, always write the first thing I see. You can see the helicopter shadow. Yeah, you see credit. it in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Now I got some interesting things. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that footage in the beginning was actually recycled by Ridley Scott for the theatrical cut of Blade Runner, oh. which you I know you haven't seen, but mm-hmm. when, when we do watch Blade Runner on this podcast, we're, we're going to watch the director's cut, not the theatrical. Uh, he basically gave him the director's cut, the studio, and they're like, this is too depressing. Like you gotta, you got to do something different. So basically he took extra footage that Kubrick shot for the beginning of The Shining and over Harrison Ford's narration ended the original cut of Blade Runner. Right. Or pretty, not the exact same footage, but footage that they shot on that same shoot. He found it in a reel and used it. <laughs> but you, I do know exactly. You can see that in the bottom. You yeah. can see it right for maybe a you know, mm-hmm. second and a half. Maybe uh, second thing I wrote is the music. Immediately mm-hmm. gives you this feel, and not necessarily the no no, but then it, it changes for a little bit. And yeah, it goes back to it. That's it's so menacing. Yeah. Like uh, uh, I can't remember if I told this story on the podcast before, but in in movies like this in this genre, music is more important than any other genre. Yeah. Uh, when John Carpenter first screened Halloween, he didn't have any music, and nobody it was nobody liked it. It's like oh, but then he had that little three fourth time, and then the movie became at the time the scariest movie ever made, and to me still my favorite horror yeah. movie, uh, all because of the music. And you think of iconic themes, you know, if you had to name like ten movie things off the top of your head, I guarantee you probably a third to half of them would probably be horror movie themes. Mm-hmm. I mean, big. One, I mean, one of the first one. I guarantee, you, if you name ask somebody to name any theme, you probably get Jaws right up there at the beginning. You know, that's a horror movie. Yeah. Halloween. Now I'm thinking of. I think a Terminator. Like it's one of the first yeah. ones. That, I mean, it's but not I mean, horror. If you, think, I mean, just, if you yeah. had to make a list of like yeah. say ten, I like, guarantee you'd have a few horror movies on The first one to come up in my head was Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see here. I like how. There's a slow progression of of Jack going mm-hmm. psychotic or cabin fever or whatever. But at the beginning, he has this nice little slow delivery. Just everything he says, and he points that yeah. smile at you. And you're like, <laughs> oh, you know, you're like, this is going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those types. Peace uh, and quiet is just what I need. And the little scene that we kind of parodied at the beginning was a really, really good scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like. They, it's just so, his facial expressions that's what I've in acting when I've, I've done a little bit of filming and stuff that's what I'm best at to me is my, I have pretty good facial expressions he blows people away with his he's like, so animated yeah he's like a cartoon character we <laughs> get mad you know like the, the the shaking when he's talking uh, olive oil mm-hmm. <laughs> when he I wonder how she got that part uh did, Kubrick did, liked her from her role in Annie Hall. Is what I understand yeah. from IMDb. And the, although Stephen King wanted, he didn't like Stephen King was against 
uh, her being cast because he 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 because he wrote the book, so he knew he had he knew what the character was supposed to look like for the book. Excuse me, at least he wanted a more all American, attractive like excuse me, cheerleader type blonde, for lack of a better example, uh, wife, not one that already looks like she's been through the ringer and because it's it's. The story is the degradation of this family. Yeah. How he goes from like being a you know a great dad for the most part, you know that you implied, that and then yeah. it's just straight yeah. to where he tries to kill him because he's possessed by the hotel, basically. So, but Kubrick liked her, and he she earned her paycheck on that movie. Yeah, she did <laughs> horror stories behind the camera of how uh, Kubrick would just scream at her to get certain shots and get reactions from her because he was not impressed with what she was doing. It wasn't what she what he wanted her to put forth and he got it out of her and uh when uh i forgot that dude oldman was showing him the hotel mm-hmm. and he was out in front and he was talking about it was on an old indian burial ground oh, yeah. you're like well shit's gonna happen that cemetery <laughs> <laughs> it's a and uh poltergeist right yeah yeah when they build the new subdivision in poltergeist you didn't mm-hmm. mo- you moved the tombstones but you didn't move the graves There's hardly ever a point where the music doesn't work well. Yeah. Like, even when he just pulls a piece of before that scene yeah. what we paired in the beginning, yeah. like it's it's building like oh what's gonna happen? Oh, he pulls a page out of the typewriter. It, you, the music's perfect. To yeah. Me. You can't get better. We look at. <laughs> I mean, for I mean, this. also again that, that's the Kubrick's genius in my opinion because I mean look at the Clockwork Orange. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but the not music's huge. Uh, Two thousand and one. You know, and he and like I don't even know. Uh, this until Jesse was saying when we were listening to the theme from The Shining it was a it was a classical piece he uses a lot of existing music in his stuff it's not so much to where he goes and asks John Williams to make something he basically finds existing music that's been around for hundreds of years and inputs it into his films for the most part it's all you know his soundtracks are like classical music practically uh, except for like of course some of the cues in The Shining isn't classical but to my knowledge at least I could very well be wrong but uh, he uses it to great effect I think one of the true masters of using music in a movie. There wasn't many things that annoyed me about the film. Mm-hmm. All of it was pretty good, except Shelley Duvall, when she's holding this knife after everything and she's running to look for her kid, she runs like she's about to... F- like, that's the weakest run when heading to, s- to try and save your child's life. <laughs> she <laughs> runs like, like a uh... stereotypical gay man would. Like, if somebody's parroting a homosexual... <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, they yeah. do that when people, oh, this is how those guys run. You know, they're being rude kind of flail and in their arms. Yeah. yeah, she's just like, Ugh. like, she's trying to be a bird. She looks, I just watched The Rescuers, so it came on DVD, I mean, Blu-ray. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but when the albatross tries to take off, that's what she yeah. looks like running, like flopping. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, it's a relevant reference to me, so you know nobody out there might, I get it, but if you watch The Rescuers, when that bird takes off, that's how she runs. But there's one of those, oh, another scene I really liked. Um, after the, the butler spills the stuff on him to mm-hmm. go in the bathroom that whole bathroom scene oh yeah when he starts to actually get really serious yeah. and talking back to, you to Jack you are the caretaker yeah that, that's a really you've good you've always been here <laughs> and one thing whenever you watch a Stanley Kubrick film there's two things there's, I mean there's, you gotta pay attention to everything but when upon, I mean I've seen The Shining four or five times like every Halloween at least since I've owned it since I got it in the Stanley Kubrick collection on DVD uh there's some so much different things to watch. He, the way he frames a shot, the camera, especially in this movie, the camera movie is all. It's like you're reading a book. It's going from left to right, and it's always it's a slow pan, and I'll, and it'll end on nothing. It'll just go past something and keep going. 
but there's no accidents in a Kubrick film. It's all for a reason. The color schemes, especially in this movie, the bathroom mm-hmm. scene, they're, it's they're, all they're, unique. And then uh, there's a very th- uh, thing he does in here too with mirrors. There's a lot of shots utilizing mirrors. Like when he wakes up the first night in the hotel, yeah. his whole dialogue is delivered through a mirror. Yeah. Like when she walks in to give him breakfast? Yeah. yeah he's in, in a lot of shots, there's, we're watching a clip right now. I mean, Danny's talking to the mirror. It's all, it's, Kubrick is a genius. Like you could, he's, I don't, I don't say that about, a lot, I mean, I like a lot of directors. I love Danny Boyle, I love John Carpenter, Steven Spielberg, et cetera, et cetera. But when you watch a Kubrick film, it's like a film class. Yeah. It's that. He, he's, a, he's a true master, and he's gone, unfortunately. You know, he left the great body of work, all as small as it is. But, I mean, there's really not a bad Kubrick film because he is such a good director. And it's, I don't know, I, can't, I can gush about him all day. <laughs> I mean, I love him to death. But it's, it's an experience watching a Kubrick movie. And you like, might not know why, but that's the genius of it. Like, I, I even read, he's, he's a perfectionist, oh, yeah. definitely. I read about even little subtle things like, subtle things like, um... The typewriting, typewriter. Did you did you read about this? Or it sounded like he wanted a very specific one. He wanted or? he certain typewriters or all typewriters make certain sounds. The character that it's involving, you know, mm-hmm. s whatever. And he actually wanted Jack when he's doing the typing, the making the noise, to type the famous line. You mm-hmm. know, all work and no play makes Jack a, a dull boy. He wanted Jack to type that so that the uh, sound it. Like, yeah. people wouldn't be like, well, that's not what you typed. Like, with that type of thing. <laughs> like, if people dial a number. Why that? Yeah. Because of the dial tone, she dialed 1-800-C-O-L-L-E-C-T. Yeah. <laughs> but I really like this movie. I'm, I'm really mm. glad. I didn't think you would like it as much as you said you did. Mm. Uh, simply because, I mean, we, we on the way home last week, we talked about, like, our you know, scary movies, which I, I th- I'd like to touch on that uh, when we're done with this. But uh, I'm really glad you say that, because uh, especially having never seen it, not knowing anything about it, because this is a very, to me, like from people that I know that have seen it, it's almost polarizing in a way. Like, oh, it was too slow. I don't find it nope. slow. I mean, it's like over two. I mean, it's a long movie. Two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. this is an exceptionally long movie. But I'm never bored. I'm not bored. I'm never <laughs> bored watching it. The pacing is perfect. And uh, one thing I didn't want to touch on before I forget about it, you talk about the, the shot that you liked. <laughs> that was the fastest somebody's ever spoke a line. One thing I want to touch before you think about <laughs> Micro Machine Man right there. <laughs> All right, continue. No, but uh, you can your favorite shot. I love the shot where Jack's walking through the hotel and he stops and looks at the model of the hedge maze. And then it, the camera goes over the hedge maze, same shot, and then it goes to the actual hedge maze. Yeah, oh, badass. It's beautiful. There's a lot of tremendous scenes in this. I movie. mean, it is the best directed horror movie of all time, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I don't think it's the best horror movie of all time. I think it's the best ghost story, so to speak, of all time. Yeah. Uh, because it's very, di- you know, you get a different feel from, I mean, slasher movies are slasher movies. Halloween's my favorite scary movie. Yeah. Just because I love it to death. I mean, it's not the best, but it's my favorite. Uh, but this one strikes such a different chord, because this one, you're never comfortable in it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and look, see, see the shot? Just slowly. And this this one, this shot lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. And he's Kubrick, man. You can't. <laughs> I wish you made more movies. <laughs> yeah. so we could, I mean, we got a few to talk about in the age. We do Full Metal Jacket, of course. Get some more in here. See, at first I was like, okay, it's going to end. Oh, oh wait. No, there's a whole room and see, how many, past the stairs. We're watching the scene right? where they're giving the tour of the hotel and they're walking through it. Like, 99.9% of directors would have cut right there and gone to a new shot as they're yeah. walking towards you. Kubrick doesn't <laughs> need to do that. He's a fucking genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, there was a, there was a, I want to get right into this, too, because there was a ton of awesome, interesting trivia about this movie. More so than, I think, any other movie we've done so far. Okay, good. 
Stephen King was first approached by Kubrick about making a film version of the movie via an early morning phone call because Kubrick lives in England and England's five hours ahead of Maine. Of course, King lives in Maine because 90% of his stories take place in Maine. Uh, he actually was shaving and suffering from a hangover when his wife told him, uh, one of his kids told him that uh, Stanley Kubrick's on the phone and wanted to talk to him. So uh, he recalled the first thing that Kubrick did was to immediately start talking about how optimistic ghost stories are because they suggest that humans survive death. Well, then King's like, what about hell? And then Kubrick paused for several moments before finally replying, I don't believe in hell. <laughs> Which makes this movie, to me, even more interesting because it's not dealing with a concept of necessarily life after death, but like something bad, ha- like there's nothing good after death, there's just something bad. I don't know, it's just, it's, inter- it's an interesting dynamic because from the perspective that he's attempting to tell the story from. It's not like, yeah, I believe in God and I believe in heaven and hell and I'll make this movie. Okay, well, you know there's a good, and you know, that yeah. person going into it is going to have some good or evil. But do you, you, know. you think, you know, he don't believe in hell, so these, these ghosts are stuck here? There's nowhere Basically, else like there's nothing go. else to, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, but he doesn't even... It's like a permanent purgatory. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't, allu- you know, he doesn't allude to anything being better. There's no happiness in this movie. Yeah. There's nothing happy about it. You know, the first five minutes, and it's, and it's even that's kind of like... The music is so the, impending. Yeah, the inca- occasional mom and son playing, you know, yeah. outside in the snow, but that's it. And it's just like, ugh. Uh, the lodge they used, it was, it was called the Timberline Lodge. It's in Mount Hood, Oregon. It was used for the front exterior, but every single interior, as well as the uh, back of the hotel, were specifically built uh, at L Street Studios in London. Uh, the management of the hotel requested that Kubrick not use room 217 for a room number. Uh, in the movie, it's 237, uh, it's 237 yeah. and 217 is the book number in the book. Uh-huh. The room's 217 uh, because they didn't want guests not to want to stay in that room after seeing the movie, <laughs> which to me, I think it would work exactly opposite. That'd be the room people would want to stay in. 1408. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, I mean, similar thing. We, uh, last Christmas, we spent it in California with my brother and went and saw the Queen Mary. We did the haunted tour and everything. And there's a room there that's supposed to be, you know, for lack of a better example, paranormal activity s to where like things move and they don't even allow guests to stay in it because like beds moved and people have left in the middle of the night. You know, it could be a bunch of hoopla or whatnot. But uh, we asked our tour guide which room it was and he told us where it was and we just, you know, the door's locked, all the lights are out. Door's locked too? Yeah, you can't get I me, mean, you know, and this was supposed to be like the most haunted room <laughs> in the, the, host, in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, to me, that would be like, oh yeah, use this room, you know, and that's the room that has like the double rate on it. If I'm owning, if I'm a hotel owner, yeah, yeah you could stay in the room from The Shining, but it'll cost you four hundred fifty instead of two fifty. That's marketing, man. Yeah, sign this waiver, exactly. <laughs> you know, build it up. <laughs> you know, like sort of like fourteen oh eight, you know, yeah. and then like fuck with people. Uh, and in the book, there was a sequence in the book where instead of the hedge maze, hedge animals came alive. Uh, but Kubrick decided that instead of having that, uh, it was unworkable due to the restrictions of special effects at the time. So that's why there's a hedge maze instead of that. So that kind of explains why there was that change from the book. I don't know, Philip Dobson, if he's listening, might uh, have some input on Stephen yeah. King if we get anything wrong. <laughs> I don't know if he can chime in. And this, was in, this, was what, this is one of the things I found really interesting. We always like to hear who could have been who. And Kubrick originally considered both De Niro and Robin Williams for the role of Jack Torrance. Uh, he decided against both of them. For one reason, he didn't think De Niro would suit the part after seeing Taxi Driver, as he thought he was not psychotic enough in that movie, mm-hmm. as what we demanded in this one. And then he didn't think Robin Williams would suit the part after watching him in Mork and Mindy, because he thought he was too psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, according to Stephen King, too, uh, they briefly considered Harrison Ford, which, 
I would have liked to have seen that in a sense, but I don't think it's apples and oranges. Like, I mean, this is a case of perfect casting. Yeah. I mean, this is the movie that made people think Jack Nicholson was crazy. A little bit more than, more so even than One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, which came out before this, where he actually played a crazy person. What is it? What is that? That's a bear. Is that the bear that I was talking about? You know, you know how on the scene with Lloyd? And that? Oh, could be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I'll have, have to pay attention to that next time. Sorry, uh, guys. <laughs> oh, no problem. <laughs> uh, uh, Kubrick, of course, was known for his compulsive and numerous retakes. Uh, the shot of the blood coming out of the elevator, which, which you mentioned before, one of the most famous shots in the movie. Uh, they got it in only three takes. Uh, it would be remarkable if it weren't <laughs> for the fact that it took nine days to set up each time they shot it. Which is, uh, every time the doors opened, the blood poured out, Kubrick would say, it doesn't look like blood. In the end, it took about a year to get right. It took over a year to get that shot right. To where Kubrick said, okay, that can go in my movie. Wouldn't you love to make a movie? <laughs> well, <laughs> you kind of do have yeah. that time, but imagine, no, no director can get away with that today except like Spielberg or somebody That's with that much clout <laughs> for that shot. But, I mean, it's one of the famous, most famous shots in horror movie history and some people might even consider film history. Yeah. And of course, I mentioned the. Uh, Better be after that. No joke. <laughs> this took uh, the shot. Then they have something on this where the ball. Ro- uh, Danny's playing with some cars, and while he's playing, a little ball rolls towards him. Yeah, it took him forever to get it to go where they yeah. wanted to go. Yeah. I mean, see, look at that pattern on the carpet. That's completely intentional by Kubrick. Mm-hmm. We're watching like scenes from it on YouTube. Everybody, uh, just showing. Uh, it's actually <laughs> called uh, the Shining Analysis. So it's actually actually something I'd like to watch myself too with some sound later. There's probably some voiceover over this. Yeah, so definitely check that out if you want to get a little bit more on what we're saying, uh, get some better visuals to go along with it. Uh, This was interesting too. There were so many changes to the script made during shooting that Jack Nicholson claimed he stopped reading the script and would just get the new pages that were given to him and go with it. Which is, you know, that, that sounds like chaos, especially in a modern movie, especially for our friends that we know in the movie industry, how it's so... Get it crank, you know, you have to crank this out, get it out, get it out, blah, blah, to where today something like that, again, unless you're Spielberg or you got the producer on your side, you're not going to spend that much time on one shot or one or rewriting in the middle of it like that, unless it's just a total train wreck. And I thought this was awesome. This is one of my favorite bits of trivia about this movie. The, uh, the famous scene where he chops through the door, uh, the props department built a door that would break easily. They didn't know, however, that Jack Nicholson was a volunteer firefighter. And knew how to chop down a door as fast and effectively as possible. <laughs> so he tore through the fake door so easily, they had to put the real door back up and let him chop through a real door. <laughs> nice. So he's actually chopping through a real door. Still does a pretty damn good job. Yeah. There's a cat attacking the blinds here. <laughs> uh, and actually, the uh, the idea for Danny moving his finger for red rum, red rum, that was actually carried over from his audition tape that he did spontaneously. That wasn't Kubrick. That wasn't anything. That was actually an improvisation <laughs> that they liked for him doing that to be Tony. Uh, a it's, representation of it. His little more high-pitched red rum is kind of freaky. Yeah, when he starts screaming. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a little aggravating. but Sounds like a cat talking. Red <laughs> rum! <laughs> like you stepped on its tail. <laughs> uh, this was voted the ninth scariest film of all time by Entertainment Weekly. Uh, the Here's Johnny line was voted number 68 uh, as a number 68 movie quote by the AFI Institute. We've had several alumni from that list as well, such some of the Star Wars and Terminator, of course. Uh, 
on the on another AFI list, 100 Years, 100 Thrills. It was ranked number 29, the whole movie. And in 2003, Jack Torrance was named the 25th greatest villain on AFI's 100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains list. So an iconic character. Definitely. Created. And you know, this is one of the... Uh, excuse me. I was going to say aside from Hannibal Lecter, but Hannibal Lecter even has a mask on some parts. You know, he, that iconic yeah. mask that we can't chew off nurses' faces or eat their tongues or whatever. You know, he's one of the few horror icons that's not Dracula or Frankenstein whatnot. You know, I guess Freddy Krueger, but even that's a mask. Well, he's basically a horror icon. He's just a normal guy. Yep. That's, which is pretty rare. Kind of like Norman Bates, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, that's actually, well, maybe it's not that rare since you totally thought of one that quick. <laughs> But Norman Bates would be another great one. I mean, of course, uh, Psycho's an American probably Psycho. the most. Uh, it's not as iconic as Psycho, but no, did I say that right? What American Psycho. Yeah, well, Christian Bale. Yeah, it's not really a horror movie. Oh, okay. You know, I mean, in a sense, it is, but there's a lot. I never of... watched it, but I, I thought it, I thought it was a wait like... till '90s revisited. We'll cover that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great movie though. Yeah, I but, thought I always thought it was a horror movie. Yeah. It, you have to see it. Okay, it's. <laughs> It's gotcha. one of those movies like Wizard of Oz where it's a fantasy movie, but it's telling a story. Okay. It's telling a different story through subtext. That's what American Psycho is. I got you. You'll see. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got uh, The scene uh, towards the end of the film when Wendy, where Rindy, Wendy, where Rindy, Her name where is Winifred, Wendy so gotta... <laughs> is running up the stairway carrying a knife was shot 35 times where she's running up the stairs, which the equivalent of them shooting that scene 35 times was the equivalent of her running up the stairs of the Empire State Building. That's it? Yeah. That's not much. Yeah, that's no like, wonder she's all running all weekly. Oh, yeah, they probably filmed that immediately afterwards. Just like you know, doing push-ups and having mm-hmm. to shoot basketball. Yeah. You airball the first like four or five. Uh, this was pretty cool too. Uh, the 1921 photograph at the end of the film, uh, where they zoom in and you see Nicholson's face. That's actually a real photograph from that time, and they just photoshopped Nicholson's head in it. Yeah, nice. I would assume. I would have thought when they shot the ballroom scene, they just got everybody, everybody and together did the and shot. Bam. But no, it's an actual picture, which is pretty cool. It adds to the authenticity of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and Stephen King claims that he didn't know that red rum spelled murder backwards until he actually typed it, and he loved the various connotations of the word, so that's why it's red rum, red rum. <laughs> so, and then, uh, speaking of Kubrick, uh, according to Shelley Duvall, the infamous Here's Johnny scene took three days to film and the use of 60 doors. Good lord. So Jack Nicholson had to chop through 60 doors <laughs> until Kubrick said, all right, we got it. I'm satisfied. We're good. God, it had to be... He had to have some patience if he worked with him. It would have been nice to work with him. And uh, we spoke about all. Well, I told you how Empire came out two days after this, or two days before. I can't remember. Two days before, I believe. Uh, the film was shot in the same film studio that was used for Empire. And in the end, the snow that they're running through, some of that snow was used from Hoth. <laughs> so they're running through Hoth at the end of The Shining, which is that? awesome. <laughs> Just adds to it. And uh, here's the Guinness thing I was mentioned earlier. The uh, the. Uh, According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the scene where Wendy is backing up the stairs, swinging the bat, and he's like, "Wendy dear, yeah. I don't want to hit you. I want to bash your fucking head in." I don't, you know, great scene. Uh, it was shot 127 times, which is a world record for the most takes of a single scene. Now here's the, now there's a discrepancy. However, to both Steadicam operator Garrett Brown and assistant editor Gordon Stainforth, they say this is inaccurate. The scene was shot around 35 to 45 times. However, the scene in which uh, Halloran explains to Danny what Shining is, where they're eating the ice cream, was shot 148 times, which is, in fact, a world record. Okay. <laughs> and one last little bit of trivia I'll throw in there, too. This was the first Testing? Stephen King book to be banned from school libraries because of the theme of Wicked Parents. 
I hate banned books. <laughs> this actually, actually, this week is read a banned book week. Read a banned book week. <laughs> so go out there, read a book. Slaughterhouse Five is a good one. There's a lot of them out there that are really good. Catcher in the Rye. Do your literary <laughs> civic duty. <laughs> yeah. And read something other than Twilight. Not that you guys read Twilight who are listening to this. I'm just using that as an example for the oh. other people out there. I know y'all don't read that. Why'd you listen to this podcast? Because you're more educated than that. <laughs> but that does it for the trivia. So all in all, you love this movie, Daniel. Is, is love too strong of an adjective to say? Did you like it? Did you love it? Uh, Did you want I some love- more of it? If if you want me to go ahead and give the score. Go ahead. Let's get into that. I, I, I'm tired of giving the fives and the zeros. So we're going to... I'm just going to be a point one, the you know, tenth scale as well. So I would give this an eight point six. Wow, yes. that's awesome. <laughs> that's I never would have guessed that high. Oh, but I, I mean, I think that's accurate. I'll give it a nine. Yeah, I think it's, I could. I would watch it again. Like that's somebody, awesome. Hey, you want to come watch the shiny? Yeah. There we go. I think that's awesome. Mm. I mean, I'm I'm truly surprised. I'm truly shocked, not in a bad way. This is like yeah. a, I'm a good shocked. Because usually you? it's like, oh, I haven't seen the goodies. What? You know, it's a bad shock. This is a good shock. I'm really impressed that you enjoy this movie. That I'm much. glad I didn't know more about it and like going we, into it. Yeah, like we talked about, I think it was last week or whenever, like, we mentioned, uh, what did we do last week? Oh, Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> There's so Busy many man. movies I watch. Uh, oh, like, you didn't, was it that one you didn't really know it going into it? We had a discussion. No, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, that so, one. like, uh, when I mentioned the story about Jurassic Park, not knowing anything about it and going into it, it made it so much better just being completely blown away. Yeah. And I th- it sounds like you had a similar experience watching this movie. See, I didn't expect all this whole... Uh, we're looking at the bo- uh, bar scene mm-hmm. where everybody's in there. I didn't expect that. Like, so much stuff in it that I was you know, uh, not aware of. <laughs> I always want somebody to say, like, you know, when, when I go into a bar, nobody ever says, what do you want? They're always just, like, look at you and point. And it's like, you know, Newcastle, whatever. I want somebody to say, what can I get? You know, go to a nice bar and be <laughs> like, what can I get you, sir? Hair of the dog that bit me. <laughs> I want to use that line so bad. You never get a chance in modern bars. Yeah. Just like, that's not, yeah. And just point at you like, oh, okay, yeah, uh, I'll take this and this. <laughs> no blue. You know, I guess you got to go to Cheers and <laughs> to get a good bartender that'll listen to you and not Stop just... Stop going to crappy bars. <laughs> We're in Baton Rouge, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Where is there a good bar? Yeah. If you know, send us an email at, <laughs> at gmail.com to any of our friends or listeners out there that actually work in a bar in Baton Rouge. But yeah, any uh, final thoughts on it or anything we might have... No, I'm covered. just glad I was surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know the storyline. I didn't know what The Shining was. Mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot well, about it. Let me ask you this. Movie. Going into it, did you have any pers- any idea what it might be about? I mean, any concept going into it, based upon what you just knew about it, since it is a 32-year-old you know, movie? The only thing I really knew movie. was that uh, he was going to go crazy, because mm-hmm. I know that here's Johnny, I know all that. And I then did- uh, they had a... Several years later, well, many years later, they have the miniseries that a lot of people are probably maybe even be more familiar with on The Shining with uh, Stephen Weber from Wings and mm-hmm. some other people. And from what I, I didn't watch it because I, wa- I think I watched the first half of it. And it's a TV movie, so it's not like this. Yeah. So I was just like, this is, I'd rather watch the original. And I never finished it. But everybody was telling me how it's much closer to the book than this one. Uh, like one of the book's big things is, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Damn it. I hate when they die. Uh, Halloran. Halloran, yeah. yeah he lives he in the doesn't die book. in the book. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one thing I found interesting, too, was how he has... I wish this would have been in the movie. I think it... Well, maybe it shouldn't have been, but I'm sure it wasn't for a reason. There's a scene in the book that I read where uh, I read about... <laughs> I didn't read the book. Uh, when he's, like, hunting down Danny, he kind of comes to for a second, and he's actually chasing him with a hammer. 
and he actually bashes his face in with his ha- with a hammer so Danny doesn't see his dad anymore. So he knows, like, to Man. run, I'm going to fucking kill you. Wow. So he kind of comes to, beats himself in the face with a hammer to screw up his face, and see? then he tells Danny to run. Yeah. And then, like, the hotel gets him again, and then he goes after him. We're, we're watching the bathroom scene. Uh, Look at that with, acting. With Jack and, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Grady. Grady, yeah. Mr. Grady. Just, a, like, he's just standing there. But yet it's so awesome. Yeah. They're just standing talking. And, and look at... And, uh, when I was uh, in LSU going, uh, going through film class and all that, the meager film classes they had at the time 10 years ago at LSU, uh, we learned a lot about, you know, the consistency of a frame and the placing and everything. And, I mean, watch Kubrick. It's, I mean, again, it's like going to film school, really just exactly. looking at his movies. Just just look at what he does and, and think why. What does this inspire? What does this mean? And it's, you know, it's that's what, I, even rewatching them over and over and over. The slow like, zoom in right here of Jack, where you could kind of like, oh, he's getting evil. He's getting to him, you know, like, just even that. And then a picture of, that's what, that's what he looks like. Yeah, that's what he looked like before. I said he looks <laughs> kind of like Peter Jackson, but mm-hmm. not quite as big as Peter Jackson was. Kind of sort of in between where Peter Jackson was and what he is now. Yes, but not as much. And see, there he is, clean shaven. Looks like Johnny Cash right there. Damn. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this movie came out, again, May the 23rd, 1980, two days uh, after Empire Strikes Back, which we already kind of covered that on the podcast with some of the real-world stuff. But uh, they got a couple from that and some other stuff, too. But on May 22nd, Pac-Man was released, which was the highest best-selling arcade game of all time. And on May 24th, the New York Islanders win their first Stanley Cup with a goal from Bobby Nystrom, if I mispronounce that, being a Southerner. If any Yankees know, just let me know. In overtime of Game 6 to win the Stanley Cup. I don't like hockey. I don't like hockey. I don't understand. I don't know all the rules, but I like watching it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on May 30th, Peter Gabriel, Gabriel releases his third album, which is self-titled and includes the famous track Biko, which is about Steve Biko, a noted black South African anti-apartheid activist. One of uh, Gabriel's more prolific songs that, uh, of course, everybody knows In Your Eyes or Red Rain or a lot of stuff off the So album or whatnot, but this is uh, that's one of his more, how do you say, I guess, fan favorite songs, so to speak. Yeah, but... Uh, Gave your score and all that. I gave my score. I guess that's about it for The Shining. There are some uh, podcasts. Oh, other you're podcasts, right. Yes. You're right, on the Awesome Podcast Network, which we are a part of. There are two <laughs> other great podcasts on that network, one being Geekly Dose uh, with your hosts Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli covering everything geek. They do a movie review, a comic book review, and a video game review and talk geek news of the week. It's always interesting and kind of can keep you up to date on uh, those interests and more. So it's always interesting to... Hear what they got up their sleeve. It's also Duo Attack, which is hosted by Justin Owens and our very own Jesse Sidgley, and it's everything Hero Clicks. I believe they recently had a new uh, yeah. episode come, so y'all, everybody needs to check that out. If you, there's anything Hero Clicks related that y'all need, just hey, shoot them up a t- you know email or something. They're probably going to be able to answer it. Yep, so. they get a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, they answer a few on each show. And then uh, if you need to get in contact with us, you have a recommendation on a movie, you want to correct us because we said something wrong, Philip Dobson, about a Stephen King movie or novel, hit us up at 80srevisited at gmail.com. There is no apostrophe between the zero and the S. <laughs> Otherwise, it'll go off into cyberspace, never to be sued again. But well, guys, uh, if you do email us, you're probably going to get your name set. <laughs> and yeah, we the, like talking to our fans. Definitely. And also on Facebook, too. Uh, we uh, sometimes chat with some people on there. Uh, hit us up on the Awesome Podcast Network. Like us on Facebook. Uh, I like to post what's coming up next and inspire a little bit of discussion uh, on the movies that we're about to do. 
Uh, we always love to hear from you guys, so just let us know. And then next week, we continue our horror month. I haven't thought of a clever moniker for it <laughs> yet. So, But uh, next week, we did, uh, last week was Monster Squad. Uh, foul mouth kid comedy horror movie. This week was The Shining, one of the scariest movies of all time. And next week is a little bit of both. Definitely. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I ain't free. No ghost. I, I, I don't know if I did it at the right point, but I've seen Ghostbusters a ton. It's one of those where it's kind of just we're going to... And we will we're, have a trivia gonna, challenge. Oh, yeah, that too. Not since the Willow episode, my friend. Trivia challenge, and we... We both know, hopefully, a pretty good bit about this movie, and it's just going to try to shoot the shit on it. And <laughs> we hope you tune in. Oh, we didn't... I want to talk about scary movies. We were driving home last week. Uh, we were talking about like movies that scared you or whatever. Uh, do you have any other input on that? or? Well, oh, let me rephrase that. Uh, I wanted to get into this a little bit earlier, but I figured we'd do it before we <laughs> closed out the show. But, uh, you know, to me, some of the scary... My favorite scary movies would probably be... I'm just going to name it the uh, Halloween, The Shining, The Exorcist... The original Texas Chainsaw, uh, you know, more of the classic, so to speak. Uh, you know, you've seen this. I know you've seen a lot of other horror movies. What are some of your favorite horror movies? I haven't seen a lot of horror movies, uh, at least, especially older ones. Mm-hmm. You would, I don't think you really considered a horror movie with signs. I mean, but, in a, yeah. it's a thriller. It's a it's mm-hmm. sci-fi. I mean, in my video store, which I mentioned many times on this <laughs> podcast when I was a kid. You had the sci-fi slash horror section, so to well, me, I mean, man, that's... That's one of my favorites. I mean, Alien is horror, basically. Yeah. It's sci-fi horror. Um, I mean, Signs made me jump more than the, any the, modern horror movie of the past ten years, so... This has probably immediately went to top three for me. Really? In terms of just straight horror. I, I, could you, I honestly you said top three. Could you name any other? Signs is one. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really like The Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. And that's I, a horror movie. I'm not much... Um, I don't know. That's why this podcast exists, Daniel. (laughs) But I don't watch a lot of horror movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Like like I mentioned, I think last week, like when I was a kid, like with the USA Network was awesome and they had Ronda Shear on USA Up All Night and all that. And every weekend I was watching horror movies on USA or TNT with Joe Bob Briggs on Monster Vision and all that. So this genre, as a kid, I always just love watching it. It's always just fun to get scared, even today. I always look for that movie, a modern movie that will scare me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the last time I jumped in a real horror movie, I think which we talked about on the way home last week, was uh, The Descent. Yeah. Where that camera pans over. <coughs> jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's, it's that good that's, that's why I like watching horror movies. It's good to be scared. It's that, fun yeah. to be scared. Mm-hmm. Like, when a movie gets me, like in signs, when, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go to most movies with my wife, and she'll jump. She jumped in The Avengers. I mean, she'll jump anytime something pops out or yeah. whatnot. And I'll just sit there, and, you know, I'm like a stone. But then for me to jump... It has to be something significant. That's the the biggest I've ever jumped, like almost out of my seat, was signs, the uh, birthday party scene. Mm-hmm. I remember I was like the only person that the no, I uh, actually left college. I skipped a class and like I'm just gonna see signs. I ain't seen it yet. Skipped class, went and saw it. I sat in the very back. There was like a couple people in the front, and I just think I remember when that scene happened. It's like you know when like, sometimes like you a car pulls out in front of you, you hit the brakes really fast, you feel that shot of adrenaline go through mm-hmm. your body. I like literally felt, I went <laughs> like I was fighter instant fight or flight response yeah. for my body like I jumped like that scared the crap out of me I was like oh my god it's just because you middle of a movie you didn't expect to see the whole thing well yeah and the biggest mm-hmm. thing too is when any movie shows like oh we have the footage it's always like you know oh that's made like yeah. you know they film that professionally <laughs> anytime they show a newscast in a movie it always looks like it's not done on a news camera it's done on a film camera it looks too real to be a newscast yeah uh, but that looked like, you know, that could have been on uh, sightings or unsolved mysteries or 
finding yeah. Bigfoot. <laughs> or they whatever. Go, they go back. I'm getting chills, but they go back and show it and then stop it, and you're still like, oh, God. Get, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and like I told you, like, Meryl's reaction. We discussed signs before, and I didn't even see the dude on the roof in the theater I didn't in the either. beginning. I you know, so yeah. when you told me, I was like, no way. Went back and watched, like, wow. But I'm glad I didn't. No. Because it made it even more scary. I scarier. didn't see it, but I asked my girlfriend at the time about it. And she was like, he was on, you know, mm-hmm. me and Michael, my cousin, were talking at that time. We were looking over, oh, discussing and something. And then it was one of those. It's where a movie, you, Danny. You know better than that. It was one of those where you could hear certain, oh. But, and I was like, what, what, what happened? And mm-hmm. that's when I got told. I didn't see it. So. Cool. But. All right. I wish I would have done it a little bit earlier, but we'll get, <laughs> we'll go ahead and close out. We already did our exit. Uh, again, next week, Ghostbusters Trivia Challenge. Tune in for one of the funniest, highest-grossing movies of the 80s. Next week on 80s Revisited. Till next time, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. And I'm the other, Dan San Angelo. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! Oh, now get the fuck out of here! At the Awesome Podcast Network's Facebook at facebook.com slash awesomepodcastnetwork. And follow us on Twitter at Awesome Podcasts.